0: Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today our guest is Rob Bonta, the Attorney General of the state of California. Bonta was an assemblyman from Alameda, here in the Bay Area, before Governor Gavin Newsom appointed him earlier this year to replace Javier Becerra, who had joined President Biden's cabinet. Bonta quickly found himself in the middle of a number of contentious issues here, from how police officers are being disciplined to rising crime rates in some parts of the state. Plus, he's already got a run for re-election next year, and he's got two well-funded challengers taking him on. Republican former federal prosecutor Nathan Hockman and independent Anne-Marie Schubert, the District Attorney of Sacramento. It's shaping up to be one of the marquee races in California next year and in the country. We will talk about all of this with our guest rob bonta and that conversation starts right now attorney general rob bonta from your home in alameda to my home in oakland welcome to it's all political we're, we're all still working at home correct a little bit
1: yes uh a lot uh <laughs> we're starting to get out more i traveled to san diego and la last week so I'm doing more traveling but uh honored to be with you thanks joe for having me
0: good to have you here sir um let's uh, what before we dive into the some of the questions I want to talk a little bit about your background. Uh, You were born in the Philippines. Uh, Your parents were Christian missionaries, correct? And then uh, then you you grew up in California and you spent a lot of time that you've said that uh, much of your early life and much of your later life is shaped by the work that they did with uh, Cesar Chavez and the uh, United Farm Workers. Tell us a, uh, briefly a little bit about that and how that has shaped you today.
1: My parents are my biggest supporters and my biggest inspirations. And I wanted to carry on the legacy that they started, that they inspired me with, and wanted to continue to fight for the values that they showed me were so important to make people's lives better, lift people up, uh, right historic wrongs and uh, tackle and combat injustice. And um, you know, my, my dad was involved in the civil rights movement. He marched in Selma. He he organized for voting rights and civil rights. He was in church with Martin Luther King Jr. He met Stokely Carmichael. Uh, Both my parents were involved in uh, the uh, California farm worker movement. They worked for the United Farm Workers of America, first uh, collecting signatures outside of supermarkets in Southern California as part of the lettuce boycott. Later uh, at the headquarters of the movement, a a special magical place called La Paz where my family of five lived in in a trailer a stone's throw away uh, from the home of Cesar Chavez. My dad worked in the front office with Cesar Chavez, my mom in the preschool. She worked with Dolores Huerta. We used to um, uh, welcome to our trailer and and host for Filipino breakfast, the great uh, Filipino American leader who isn't talked about enough, Philip Vera Cruz. And uh, one of the most inspiring things about that movement was that it was a collaborative movement, uh, Latino leaders and Filipino American leaders fighting side by side to create uh, great wins and, and victories for everyday people. And then my mom fought for the restoration of democracy in the Philippines. And I grew up uh, going to demonstrations and rallies and protests, um, Christmas caroling for, for coins to raise money for, for the effort until um, a, a dictator was toppled across the ocean and democracy was restored in, in 1986 with the People Power Revolution. So I saw my parents fight with and, and for everyday people um, committed to a common goal to uh, uh, create uh, uh, success and, and to, to right wrongs. And I saw that they could do it. And it made me want to take on, uh, take up the baton and, and continue the effort. And I'm, one of the things I saw, Joe, was that they asked people with titles, people with power um, uh, to do things that could help their communities. And sometimes those people would, and sometimes they wouldn't. And I thought with everything my parents gave me, a, a great California public school education, uh, believed in me to my dream to go to college and law school, that maybe I could one day be uh, that person uh, with that title, with that authority. And I can bring these communities that have been so long forgotten and and, and overlooked with me uh, in my heart and in my head and, and fight for them and have a seat in the room, um, uh, a voice in the room and a seat at the table. So uh, it's my, I'm living my California dream, continuing the, the work that my parents inspired me to do.
0: To shorthand the the story after that, you go from growing up in the trailer uh, Yale, Yale Law School, moving uh, back to California, and now uh, being appointed at, at, at some time in the assembly, of course, and then uh, at, appointed as attorney general. Now now for the hard stuff. <laughs> now for now, all these questions are in front of you. Last month, you uh, announced that your office was going to conduct an independent investigation to the death of Sean Monteroza, who was uh, fatally shot by, Vallejo, by the Vallejo Police Department on uh, June of 2020. Now, this may happen more frequently, because of a new law that goes into effect July 1st. Your office can take over investigations of officer-involved shootings of unarmed civilians across California. So something you've advocated for for a while. Walk us through what these independent investigations of a police killing are gonna look like. Are you gonna send your own investigators? Are you gonna be interviewing your own witnesses, conducting your own you know, scene processing or autopsies? Uh, how is it gonna work? you know, how is this law going to work now that it's the, the, that the attorney general's office has more power?
1: We're working through all those details now as we prioritize the implementation of AB 1506, requiring the California attorney general to conduct uh, independent thorough investigations of all officer-involved shootings that lead to the death of an unarmed Californian. Historically, that's been about 40 cases per year. And traditionally, the California attorney general's office has not uh, handled nearly that number of cases so we, we are we are beefing up our, our infrastructure and our teams to make sure that we can respond as rapidly as, as possible and get on the scene to, to work collaboratively with uh, local law enforcement uh, to collect evidence and preserve evidence to interview witnesses to I- interview all of the uh, the, the key uh, players I- involved in, in the incident to make sure that we can conduct a, a, a thorough, uh, independent, uh, complete, accurate investigation with, with full integrity and review it for an appropriate uh, decision uh, and a potential charging decision. And if there is a charging decision to uh, take that case as, as far as it needs to go to, to achieve justice. So um, uh, what we, we will be in, involved with local law enforcement uh, as well who will often be uh, uh, first on the scene uh, depending on, on where, what time the incident is and where it is in the state of California. The state of California is a large place, as you know. And, um, and a lot of uh, local teams have expertise in uh, collecting and preserving evidence, for example. And uh, we're gonna work to make sure that together uh, we have the strongest investigations uh, possible uh, that lead us to the truth and to justice.
0: So it will be a combination of uh, you'll be reviewing more than just reviewing their sort of investigative homework. You're going to be doing some of your own investigations independently, separately. And would you be doing your own autopsies or scene processing or are you relying on them for that?
1: We'll be doing some of our own as well. Yes, like we will definitely be on the scene and doing scene processing whenever possible. Uh, if it's impossible, uh, we'll we'll work collaboratively to make sure that we have all the necessary evidence from the scene. Um, you know, reviewing evidence, including uh, being involved in autopsies and and uh, you know all investigative components uh, from the investigation to the review of the evidence to the uh, charging decision and beyond.
0: What, now? Some conservatives, uh, you, this will be a theme of the campaign, I'm sure. Will have said that uh, California is overcorrected from some of these tough on crime uh, uh, laws and, and ballot measures from uh, the '90s uh, and, and and such. You know, three strikes and di- uh, disproportionate sentencing measures. Do you think California is overcorrected, or do you think uh, where where do you think we are in that balance? Do you think we're we're uh, too soft on crime right now? There's been some pushback on that, or do you think we we still need to be more uh, forgiving of people?
1: I think that we need to continue with our commitment, our state's commitment to reform that gets us to safer communities and uh, more justice, more fairness, um, and, and more compassion. And we can and we should have all of the above. Uh, it is is wrong to say that they are mutually exclusive, that you can't have one without the other, uh, that you either have to be uh, safe and uh, have never ending sentences and mass incarceration and over criminalization, or you can be um, uh, just and fair and unsafe. No, uh, that, that's not true. That is a false narrative, uh, a false dichotomy. Uh, you can be uh, and we should be uh, safer and more fair and more just. Our system is broken in so many ways. Look at bail. Uh, it doesn't even ask about safety. Not, not one question uh, about safety involved in a bail decision. All it asks about is how much money you have. And I uh, and Senator Hertzberg made uh, the audacious Uh, suggestion that we should inquire about safety. It will make us safer if we inquire about safety and risk and and that we can also be uh, more fair and more just and stop punishing poor people for being poor and making the jailhouse door a swing open and closed based on how much money you have. That's a prime example of how you, of how you can be more safe and more just and more fair. Uh, making sure that people have access to automatic expungements, making sure we don't have for-profit private prisons. Those are all appropriate reforms for our criminal justice system um, while uh, uplifting that, that, that very fundamental component of making sure the people of California are safe. That's a top priority for me. It always will be. Uh, it's a false narrative and a false dichotomy to suggest anything else.
0: The, uh, speaking of cash bail, you were uh, long been a, a, a proponent of doing away with it. Uh, but last year, the voters kind of went against that. They, they rejected Prop 25 that would, have cashed, that would have killed the cash bail. What did you take from that? And, and how, do you, how do you balance what the voters uh, feel and, and something obviously uh, that you've been working on for many years? And what's next?
1: I took from Prop 25's failure that the people of California have not yet decided on what the appropriate replacement system is for the fundamentally broken unsafe unfair unjust current money bail system. Um, There was not one uh, political advertisement or campaign ad that I saw or had access to that said, keep money bail as is it works it's great. Uh, The only criticism was of the proposed replacement uh, system our, our, our risk assessment. Uh, proposal, uh, the the uh, judicial discretion involved in in the, the replacement, uh, pretrial replacement system. So uh, we need to continue to have our discussions and debate and dialogue around what a fair, safe, just pretrial uh, uh, system looks like to, to replace money bail. Um, we didn't have enough uh, agreement on it at that point, but there is consensus that our current system uh, is broken, uh, doesn't work, and needs replacing. So, so that, I mean that's how change works, and that's how transformation works. We we um, uh, we recognize the problem, and then we decide on 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 what the solution is. Uh, the problem, I think, there's unanimity essentially throughout the state of California, uh, or at least a broad consensus, and uh, we still need to identify what the replacement system will be
0: you being a Bay Area resident, you know that uh, Walgreens recently closed 17 stores in in San Francisco, largely because of the scale of thefts there. And some police and and retail leaders uh, are blaming that that increase on Prop 47, 2014 ballot measure, I believe you supported, that uh, reclassified nonviolent uh, thefts as misdemeanors if the value of the stuff that was ripped off was less than $950. How much do you think, if anything, that Prop 47 has to do with this wave of theft?
1: I, I don't know uh, if it's uh, Prop 47. I, I know a lot of people who are saying that it's prop, the, the fault of Prop 47 are the people that oppose Prop 47 in the first place. And, and they're connecting uh, something they see to something that they wish happened, which is the failure of Prop 47. But I don't know that that's what the facts and the data show. Um, you know, we, we, we have seen that right now in, in the state of California, we have, we have one of the lowest levels of crime uh, historically ever. Um, and uh, w- with some areas that, that need uh, attention and concern appropriately, we, we do have uh, some, uh, we have spikes in homicides right now. We have spikes in gun violence. Um, uh, when we do have uh, spikes in property crime, we need to make sure that we have responses that uh, provide accountability, uh, prevention, deterrence. Uh, and, and justice. And so um, uh, where there are challenges, we must face them and, and address them. And as uh, California's attorney general, I, uh, I'm committed to making sure that all Californians are safe, that we're uh, making sure that uh, uh, f- folks are, 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 are being protected from being victims of crime, uh, that those who are victims and survivors are, are supported. And, and we have victim-centered programs that uh, provide healing and support and services and recovery and restoration. Um, and, and, that our re- and that our responses to uh, whatever challenges we see um, in criminal justice uh, and, and with crime being committed are addressed in, a, in an appropriate way that uh, increases safety while also centering justice and fairness.
0: A lot, a lot of this, your opponents are going to lump you in with uh, uh, George Gascon and Chase Boudin, two of the nation's most progressive prosecutors. You've endorsed uh, Gascon in the past and worked with Boudin on the police use of force measures, for example, how do you, how do you differ from those two?
1: Um, DA Gascon and, and DA uh, Boudin uh, you know, lead with their heart uh, and uh, you know, I'm my own person with my own approach and anyone who knows me knows that. It, it, it's not a mystery of, of how I operate, what my values are. I've been doing it in the public uh, for over a decade as a, as a public servant. Uh, I work collaboratively to solve problems uh, I am solution oriented. I'm victim centered, uplifting and supporting victims at all times. I, I promote safety while also supporting justice and fairness. And that has been, you know, I have a, I have a record a mile long that shows that. So, uh, you know, anyone who is is trying to uh, compare me to someone else doesn't know me, uh, or is is deliberately looking away from my very long, deep, uh, detailed record uh, that it is unique uh, in, in its own way. Um, and you know, I'm I'm about solving problems. I'm about supporting people. I'm about uh, generating uh, more opportunity, equity, justice, and inclusion. Uh, from ending for profit prison, for profit private prisons to taking on money bail to having one of the strongest consumer protection laws in the history of our state with uh, ending surprise bills uh, to making sure teachers' pensions are, are fully uh, funded and, and teach our hardworking teachers get the pensions that they require to to historic medical cannabis uh, policies. Um, you know, I, I've been proudly part of accomplishments at the state legislature that are historic um, and paradigm shifting and, and transformational. And often I've worked uh, across the aisle in that respect uh, with people of different perspectives to find common ground and common solutions that uplift California.
0: What, uh, California remains one of only four states without a process for the uh, police officers uh, and th- who have uh, committed uh, some sort of uh, wrongdoing at one agency from jumping to another agency. Uh, State Senator Stephen Bradford is a piece of legislation, SB2, that would strip officers of their badges, but right now it's kind of stuck in the legislature. Law enforcement advocates say the panel would, uh, they, would they would decide about how to de- certify officers, uh, weighs it too heavily against the, that panel against them. You support this legislation, why? why do you support this? And if this is stuck, what's the next step? If it doesn't get through the legislature, this I believe this is the second time trying to get through
1: What do you do? Well, we we should have uh, law enforcement officer decertification in the state of California. We pride ourselves in California in being bold, going first, uh, being on the vanguard, the cutting edge, uh, being courageous. We are proud of that phrase. As California goes, so goes the nation. Uh, We we don't lead when it comes to decertification. We trail. We have catching up to do uh, where the I think we'd be the there's 46 other states that have done this. Uh, This is not controversial. This is something that we should be doing. Everybody knows that if a a law enforcement officer commits an egregious act of serious misconduct, uh, which leads to their, uh, you know, qualifies for their termination, uh, that it is not right for them to be fired from one place where they've been hurting uh, members of the public and show up in another uh, police department uh, next door or somewhere else in California and continue to be able to uh, harm the public. There, there, there must be consequences in in any profession, including my own as an attorney. Uh, we have regulations. We have a state bar. Uh, we have. Um, uh, individuals who because of their misconduct are disbarred and not allowed the privilege of serving and the same should be held uh, should be true here in, in, in such an important uh, profession uh, and and when there's uh, so many who are meeting their obligations and their duties uh, for those who don't there, there, there must be consequences there must be fair due process uh, and the, the process uh, must be uh, you know uh, appropriate and, and fair and uh, when there's a Uh, decertification, it's got to stick, and there's got to be consequences. Uh, If that's what's in the interest of the public, that's what's in the best interest of the profession. Um, So I I hope this is something that will get uh, passed through the the legislature. I was an author before, uh, while I was still an assembly member, before I had the honor and privilege of being appointed California Attorney General, and I continue to support uh, decertification in California.
0: We'll have more of our conversation with California Attorney General Rob Bonta after this short break. And now, here's more of our conversation with California Attorney General Rob Bonta. Um, let's talk about fentanyl, which has become a huge problem in San Francisco, in addition to many other cities around the country and the state. Last year, there was, there was more deaths from accidental overdoses in San Francisco than there were from COVID. Um, what what role do you see is the, the Attorney General having in this? I know this is a, a local issue, but is there any place where your office can step in to help or propose different penalties, or or something.
1: You know, uh, we are uh, dealing with an opioid uh, epidemic, and uh, you know, right now, that California and many other states and local jurisdictions are involved in um, uh, di- discussions on a on a on a multi state, multi jurisdiction. Um, uh, o- opioid potential uh, settlement, settlement. There, there's litigation uh, throughout the state uh, and the nation involving the, uh, the different entities that have uh, violated the law in, in how uh, opioids have been provided to members of the, of the public and has, have led to such devastation in, in families and communities throughout the state uh, that, that have led to addiction. Uh, that where there has been over-prescription, inadequate regulation, oversight and accountability, and we need to do better. And uh, should these settlements uh, reach a final conclusion or these litigations get resolved, uh, one component that could be a part of any settlement or litigation is a a, a mitigation fund that will invest in services and programs uh, and support that will help uh, uh, with prevention and with, with healing and addiction uh, where um, it's too late for prevention and, and addiction has already occurred. And, and there's best practices, approaches throughout the state and the nation that could be implemented in our communities that have suffered uh, from, from opioid abuse uh, and, and, and addiction and provide the healing and support and services that are necessary. So uh, we are in the California Department of Justice in, in the middle of, of this um, national uh, effort at the moment. It, 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 there's no final resolution at this point, but uh, we do see the the deep pain in our communities, and uh, are committed to having a leadership role to uh, uh, resolve and and heal that pain.
0: Nathan Hockman has backed this measure, uh, this, which died in the in the, um, in the state Senate, SB 350, that said anyone who's convicted of selling drugs will receive a formal written notice that says it's extremely dangerous to human life to manufacture, distribute real or counterfeit controlled substances, if you do so and a person dies and as a result of that action, you'll be charged with involuntary manslaughter or murder. Was that a good idea or is that the, just a feel good thing or uh, or is that just toothless? Kind of toothless? What, what's your take on that? Or is this something that could be a good foot in the door to, to, to nailing some people who are uh, you know, drug dealers essentially?
1: I think we have to be thoughtful and smart about how we provide the accountability. Accountability is needed for um, you know, abuse or, or, or misuse of, of of how we prescribe uh, very dangerous drugs, and we do have uh, quite a bit of 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 regulation, oversight, and accountability uh, frameworks in place now, and uh, th- there are consequences when, when they're violated. Uh, but we should be exploring all the different approaches that are that are are smart and 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 fair and thoughtful and effective in helping address the 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 opioid. Um, epidemic, you know, generally, in my view, uh, addiction uh, uh, drug addiction should be treated with uh, as a social service issue, uh, the, uh, you know, for the folks who are, you know, wrestling with addiction, they should be provided with support and services, rehabilitation programs, not with criminalization. Uh, For those who uh, knowingly violate the law, knowing that they will hurt people and uh, prescribe, uh, knowing that people will be harmed and hurt and addicted, um, there has to be accountability and consequences. I, I think you're seeing a a one proposal uh, to 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 provide that accountability and, and oversight. Um, don't know if that's specifically the best approach, but uh, taking on the folks who are hurting others is uh, you know the 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 foundation of what my role is uh, to protect everyday people, um, th- those who are being hurt, harmed, abused, mistreated from uh, the abuse of power uh, of, of Uh, an overreach of of those of those in power and who are hurting others. So I'm going to stand up for the little guy uh, against the big guy. And I think it is important to to make sure that the big guy when they overstep uh, their their jurisdiction and and overreach uh, of their power and violate the law that they're held accountable. And that'll be my role
0: talk about the death penalty uh, you are a very staunch opponent of it uh, the voters of California have spoken twice and recently in recent years 2012 2016 rejected ballot measures that would have eliminated the death penalty um, how do you how do you balance the law with uh, your personal opinions and, and feelings and uh, and and uh, where the voters are right now uh, how, how are you balancing that and how will you how would you balance that in, as Attorney General
1: I am personally uh, a very uh, vehemently against the death penalty. It, it, it has not proved to, to be a, a deterrent. Um, it is racist uh, in that individuals who, um, whether where the, in cases where the victim is white, uh, the individual is more likely to, to get the death penalty than when the, individ- when the victim is not white. Um, it is something that is irreversible the death penalty as a punishment, and it is also something that is fallible, that is wrong. And when you're irreversible, you can't be wrong. Uh, but 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 we are. We know we know that we have people on death row uh, who have been convicted and to death and their sentence carried out, who uh, were you know there's DNA evidence showing that they should not have been uh, given the death penalty. So uh, it's problematic and wrong in so many ways. I don't I do not believe it's right for California. Um, I don't know where California is right now at this moment. I, it, it, those are propositions that, that were on the ballot in the past under, uh, you know, in, in, in certain political circumstances and environments. Uh, I think California is moving away from the death penalty and at some point will not have it anymore. Uh, right now, uh, we have it. And so um, I will balance my commitments and my responsibility and duties and obligations as a California Attorney General um, uh, uh, with my personal views. And uh, if, if there are ways to be uh, more fair and um, uh, consistent with the law, we'll, we'll explore those and we'll implement those as appropriate. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm aware of my obligations um, as they stand side by side with my personal beliefs.
0: And would you, uh, if there was a ballot measure that came up that would eliminate the death penalty, would you hesitate to support it?
1: I would not hesitate to support it.
0: As, uh, for our listeners, that is something your, a couple of your predecessors did not. They, they kind of, uh, Kamala Harris and, uh, and I believe Jerry Brown sort of stood in the sidelines when, uh, uh, maybe not Jerry Brown, I'm sorry, that was Kamala Harris on both sides.
1: One, one thing I will say, say in that regard is I, I have responsibility for title and summary, as you know, and so making sure that yes. uh, that is done, uh, calling balls and strikes uh, impartially um, is going to be important as well. The appearance of, of, of uh, impartiality is important as well. Uh, but uh, there is no lack of clarity in my uh, opposition to the death penalty.
0: You, uh, this, uh, I think, uh, the attorney general's race next year may be one of the most exciting ones on the ballot. Uh, you already have two, <laughs> especially for you being one of the candidates. Uh, the uh, uh, you have already have two opponents, and they're already they're raising decent money, as I'm sure you know. Tell us how you are different from Ann Marie Schubert, the district attorney in uh, in Sacramento County, and uh, Nathan Hockman. we've mentioned him a couple of times, former uh, uh, prosecutor, federal prosecutor, um, uh, and worked in the uh, uh, National Department of Justice. Well, how are you different from these folks?
1: I, I think I'm uh, very unique and um, a, a, as a, as you know, the sitting California Attorney General, uh, the approach that I have, the record that I have, the value, values that I've uplifted and fought for um, are, are absolutely uh, y- unique and um, uh, nowhere else to be seen in, in this race. My view of the Attorney General's office is that, and the Attorney General's role is that I'm the people's attorney, that, that I'm there to fight for everyday people and to make sure especially that our most vulnerable, voiceless, hurt, harmed, abused, mistreated, cast aside, forgotten are are always taken care of, that I will make uh, the fights of Californians my fights. and and be there for them whether it's being hurt by big polluters and and having uh, in your as a community that's forced to uh, drink dirty water or breathe unhealthy air or or being cheated by a scam or a fraud or or being hurt by a big corporation being hurt by the many broken parts of the criminal justice system uh, being victimized uh, by perpetrators of hate uh, and the list goes on human trafficking elder abuse um, uh, child exploitation Um, my goal every day is to roll up my sleeves and fight for the people of this state and to make their lives better, to take on injustice um, and uh, take on abusers and be the champion that the people of California deserve. I don't don't think anyone else else has that framework, that approach, and that record of success in that space. That's why I got into service. We started talking about my parents and the civil rights movements and social justice movements that they've been a part of. That's what drives me and inspires me. So, um, you know, I get up every day thinking about uh, and being excited about how I can help the people of California today, and that's unique in this race.
0: Kamala Harris used to refer to herself when she had your job as the as the state's top cop. Do you think of yourself in that way too?
1: I think I, of myself as the people's attorney, and that that takes on a lot of different roles. It it, it, all, it certainly does have a, a critical role in uh, leadership for our, our our law enforcement community and our our criminal. Uh, justice system something that I'm, I'm proud of and, and honored to have a, a such a critical role in uh, but must uh, and also much of what the attorney General does is civil and it, you know suing big polluters and, and corporations for anti-competitive activity and 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 uh, making sure that people have access to affordable high quality health care um you know the, the the list goes on and on so I uh, uh, I I think the frame of the people's attorney to to make the people's fights my fight and to take on abusers uh, and and perpetrators of injustice is um, how I see the role.
0: The other day I uh, uh, interviewed and wrote about uh, another Bonta who is running for office, uh, your wife, Mia Bonta, uh, who you refer to frequently as the better Bonta. Well, uh, yeah, uh, that's... and uh, now, th- to be fair, she gets a lot of heat because—and you do too—they she's raised a lot of money, and they said people are giving to Mia because they want to—they want to suck up to the Attorney General. They want to, you know, he—you are not, as you say, you're not only the, uh, the the Attorney General, but you also write title and summary on ballot measures, and some of that money coming to you and to uh, into your wife is from people who with those interests. I want to give you a chance to respond to that.
1: Mia stands on her own two feet. She always has since I've known her when she was 17 years old. Uh, you know, stands on her own two feet and more. She, she puts people on her back and, and, and carries uh, them forward and lifts people up. And um, you know we've been uh, partners in life and partners in service since we were 17 years old. She's running an incredible campaign, inspiring uh, constituents throughout the district and uh, people throughout the state as a, the powerful, passionate, uh values-based social justice uh, warrior leader that she is and i think uh that uh there's a there's a tinge of sexism frankly in folks who say uh she's being treated uh or her success or her powerful campaign is somehow attributable to her to her husband as long as i've known her she's always done it on her own uh uh fiercely powerfully committed uh and skillfully and uh, it might be a surprise to some but not a surprise to me uh, that she's running, mounting such an incredible campaign. So, um, you know, she's uh, earned all the support that she that she has. Uh, I'm I'm proud of her. There's no one I'm I'm more proud of, um, and you know, she's um, someone who's inspired me um, for for years. So, I'm excited. I I just think it's incredible that she's willing to serve, and the people of this district uh, would be lucky to have her as as their as their assembly member and as someone who's seen her up and close and. Uh, uh, personal and someone who actually had the the, the just the incredible distinct pride and honor of serving this assembly district. I believe the 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 most woke, enlightened, social justice-oriented district in the whole state. Um, I know what it takes to to be the uh, assembly member and legislator that this district deserves. And Mia has everything and more, and she does it all on her own on her own two feet.
0: And she told me that you guys have uh, basically, as you said, since 17, you you met uh, the week before as like a freshman orientation for minority students, as they were called in those days, uh, at Yale, and you, you start dating that week, and you've been together ever since, 32 years, I guess that is, or to, to uh, put a, yeah, put a fine yeah, point on it. it.
1: Is, yeah, it is, 32 years, yes, and, uh, you know, I, I, I knew she was special from day one, and uh, I'm glad she took pity on me. I'm glad that she saw the, uh, the, the potential <laughs> in me as, as uh, someone who had a mullet and, uh, and a fanny pack and uh, oh. flip-flops with socks. Oh, it, my it, was, goodness. it was not pretty, uh, but she, she saw the oh, potential. My God.
0: A mullet yeah, and a all fanny, fanny pack. Once, Joe. Oh, my it was goodness. outrageous. I don't. I don't. I don't know. She might not be the better boss. She. 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 She went out with you looking she like saw that. the potential and uh,
1: right. turned me into someone semi-respectable. And I emphasize semi. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, she's been working miracles ever since then. And and um, it, it's been an honor just to see her work and uh, to be her partner in life and service. But yeah, we met. We were seventeen uh, for a, an orientation program for students of color a week before college started.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, thank you so much for being on It's
1: All Political. Thanks for having me, Joe. An honor. Look forward to the next time. I'd like to thank
0: you all for listening and hope that you and your friends and family are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Attorney General Bonta for being here today. I'd like to thank Karen Creighton for producing this episode. Shout out to our theme music that you're listening to right now. That song is called Cattle Call and it's written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Crow Song. Talk to you next time.